With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus. Bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Friday, April 8th, 2022, and it is a heck of a morning. It is a heck of a morning here in Jacksonville, Florida. We are at the host hotel getting ready for the UFC 273 official weigh-ins, which is going to kick off at 9 a.m. Eastern, go till 11 a.m. Eastern. Hopefully we have zero hiccups. Everything goes smoothly, and then we have ceremonial weigh-ins coming up later on, and then somewhere in the middle... It's opening day for the Boston Red Sox, so that gets me excited. And then we got some other cool stuff that we have in the works as well, which you'll find out over at MMAfighting.com. But I am Mike Heck. Thank you all for waking up so early and jumping on. I know there's people in other parts of the globe, and they're thinking that early. This isn't early. This is late. I've been up for 12 hours. But it's been it's been a good trip in Jacksonville. And I don't know if you guys were listening earlier throughout the shows this week. First, This is the first UFC event that I've covered in person since UFC 244, November 2019. That was before I was on with MMAfighting.com. And all the events I've covered for MMA Fighting have been either Bellator cards, BKFC cards. I covered the Triller card with Holyfield and Vitor Belfort, Jake Paul, Tyron Woodley too. Like those are the events that I've been covering. So to be back in, in the UFC fray, they're just a well-oiled machine. I've talked about that many times. They, it's just it, Here's what's going to happen, and 99% of the time it happens. It's just been fun. It's just been fun getting back on the road and, and then just being able to cover an event with Jose. I think uh, him and I pack a, a solid one-two combo. The dude is absolute monster. So it's always nice to, to work with a true pro like that. But this is your show. It is a free-for-all Friday. And I want to hear from you for the next 30 or so minutes. 
We have to get out of here at 8.30 a.m. Eastern because we have the weigh-ins at 9 o'clock. So my goal is just we're just going to get after this thing for the next 30 or so minutes. So if you got a question, you get a thought, UFC 273, anything else going on in the world of mixed martial arts, send in your request, raise that virtual hand, if you will, and we will get after this thing. And if you guys come in a little bit late, as always, the show will head on over to the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network shortly thereafter. So with that being said, I hope we can make this happen because we are 0 for 2 on these requests. My man, Dana Spite, please tell me this is going to work. Guess what? We're 0 for 3. Try again, Dana Spite. I cannot believe this. Just horrible luck for us. Let's get, let's get Tanner in here. Tanner, good morning. Morning, Mike. What's hey, up? Hey, so <clears throat> out of the three big fights this weekend, which which upset do you think would be the most impactful upset out of any of the three fights? That is a really good question. And a little teaser, if you no, – there was no video, no live between the links this week, but last night I just got back to my hotel room. I filmed a – we just did a podcast reaction to the press conference and then Jed and I went after it for an hour. And that was one of the questions I actually had for Jed on BTL was which one would be crazier? Would it be Korean zombie? Would it be Aljamain Sterling? Would it be Gilbert Burns to me? And just based on how the betting line is, how the vibe is in Jacksonville, because you get to a certain point during these fight weeks where you can actually you can feel like it's a big deal and the anticipation levels are where they're at. The anticipation levels for Hamzad Shemaev is shit, they're just off the charts. Honestly, and I and I asked John Anik this question, the, the that video is over at MAFighting.com. If we, he had ever seen anything like Shemaev, like we've seen guys emerge, we've seen guys get pushed really hard, and we've seen fighters that we feel could be very special throughout their careers. Even and I always sort of bring up Connor McGregor in these situations because Connor got shot like a rock. It was like they, they basically strapped rockets to him and they pushed the button and he just soared off and, and it just soared off. He just flew as high as he wanted to go. But the thing with Connor is every time he won, there was always every single time, even after the, the Chad even after the Chad Mendez win, there was like, what's gonna happen if he fights? And Mendez was a wrestler and Mendez took him down. But there was always some sort of built-in excuse or built-in reason or follow-up question about like, all right, well, what happens if Connor fights a wrestler? Or what happens if Connor fights this guy? Or what happens to this guy? With Shamayev, I'm not hearing it at all. Like, I'm not hearing that at all. Maybe early on, like after Fight Island, he got the two wins in 10 days. We're thinking, all right, we got to get this guy a step up in competition. What's going to happen if you fight somebody like this? And then he goes and fights Gerald Mearshart, who, by the way, I have an incredible amount of respect for. Gerald Mearshart is a good dude, but he's also a really good fighter and a super experienced fighter, and he presents some very interesting challenges to a lot of fighters. And it was just one of those holy crap moments when Shamayev just bolted him with one shot. And then the Li Jingliang thing, what he did there, I mean, just immoralized that poor man. And uh, props, props, of course, to Li Jingliang for going to the press conference. But to me, if we're talking like headlines and interest and buzz – if Gilbert Burns beats Hamzat Shemaev, that will have the biggest impact, in my opinion. Aljamain Sterling would be probably a close second 
because of how those guys have built this fight up and the confidence that Aljamain Sterling has just exuded throughout fight week. It's actually been really fascinating to see, if we're being honest. Uh, and then I, Korean Zombie, I mean, would be a huge upset. It'd be super impactful. It would kind of put a halt to the Volkanovski pound for pound number one discussion. It would it would stop that in its tracks. But honestly, I mean, if Gilbert Burns beats Hamza Shemaev, that is, I mean. The, the reaction that's going to get is, is just going to be massive. So to be fair, and we'll have our preview show later on, I don't think either of those upsets are going to happen. But I will say I feel a little bit differently on this Friday morning that I did maybe on Tuesday. I feel like Aljamain Sterling, I'm picking Jan to win. I think that fight's going to deliver in a big way. I think it's going to be super exciting, and it's a fight where both guys' stocks are going to rise. I think Zombie and his mindset – his mentality heading into this fight has been really interesting. It really has. It's actually been refreshing because he's admitted that in the past, some of these big fights, he lets the bright lights get to him a little bit. It come, become a little stressful. I'm not really seeing that from him this week. He's actually been loose as a goose, cool as a cucumber. And that makes that fight pretty interesting to me. Let's bring in Ahmad on this free-for-all Friday. Ahmad, good morning. You just got to make sure you unmute. Uh, yeah, good morning, Mike. What's up? Uh, so I know everybody is expecting uh, uh, Volkanovski, Volkanovski to dominate uh, the Korean zombie, or at least, you know, when. Um, do you see him beating the zombie in any other way than uh, a drawn-out decision? I mean, how do you see him finishing the zombie, if, if so? That's a great question. I mean, you have to think, and this is, I mean, this is kind of, uh, this is just one of those answers that kind of seems like the way everybody's thinking on paper. I think Volk, if it's a decision, it's going to go to Volk. And if it's a finish, it's probably going to go to Zombie. Volk's just so good at, at wearing guys down, at frustrating them over time. But it is a fight that, because I think Volkanovsky, while he's very self-aware in terms of the, the, the GOAT conversation, not just for the division, the pound-for-pound pound discussions, he knows he has some work to do. One of the things he's going to have to do at some point if he wants to get over that hump is he's got he's to get finishes. He, he has to get a finish in there somewhere. And Kamar Usman is a really good – because right now Kamar Usman, in a lot of people's eyes, pound-for-pound pound is the best fighter on the planet. But for a while, Kamara was viewed as like a boring fighter. And it's, it wasn't, honestly, in my opinion, it wasn't fair. What, were some of these fights the most aesthetically pleasing events to watch? Not all the time, but once Usman started finishing guys, like once he finished Burns and once he absolutely, I mean, devastated Jorge Mazadal, then it, was, it became like almost no-brainer questions. And Habib the same way. Habib was winning a lot of decisions, super dominant decisions. But once he won the belts, once he beat Ally Quinta, Every fight was an emphatic finish. So by the time he said, I'm done fighting, I'm 29 and 0, I'm, I'm good, I'm out of here, a lot of people viewed him as, as the man, like the best fighter in the world, pound for pound. And getting the finishes really puts you over the top. Volkanovsky could get a late finish in this fight. I don't know if he gets a submission, but I could see like maybe a late, a late TKO if he were going to get this thing done before the final horn sounds. I think it's going to be like a, a 49-46 type of affair. But again... And I've, t- I've talked to the Korean zomb- members of Korean Zombies team throughout the week, yesterday as well. And you're always going to get 
fighters and teammates and, and coaches that are going to say like, yeah, man, we're ready. We're going to give this guy a fight. These guys are incredibly confident that Korean zombie. It's like, they know something that we don't know. That's the vibe I get just from hat from talking to those guys. I ultimately think Volkanovsky is going to win, but I, all these fights, just being here, all these fights are now more interesting than they were than before I got here. I could tell you that right now. Let's get Aaron Ray in here. I think it's Aaron Ray, or is it Aaron Rhea? Good morning. You'll pronounce that wrong my whole Boom. life, so it's all right. Uh, I just wanted to make 100% sure. I had a feeling I was right, but I wanted to no, make yeah, sure. You nailed it. So, uh, question I had this morning is around Hamzat, and I want to get your opinion. I feel like people have been making a lot about him being able to make the weight due to him channeling his inner DC last time. But a point that I don't hear brought up often is that his first fight against John Phillips was at 185, and then 10 days later made 170 to face Reese McKee. So I'm thinking his issue with scale last time was just the delayed time off, not be remembering how to cut to welterweight. I don't think he's having an issue this morning, but I was curious on your opinion on that. Thank you, Aaron. Appreciate that. Um, so I, I get it is it is a thing. We talked we've talked about this throughout the week, and I, it was something we talked about on BTL as well. If you want to go back and listen to that, I asked Jed about this fight and. I don't think that's the case, but I can't. I mean, a lot of people that I've just talked to on the streets, a lot of people have come up to me. It's this is the question they ask: If Shamayev misses weight today, which I don't think he will, by the way, if he misses, should Gilbert Burns take the fight? It's an interesting question, right? It'd be disappointing to the fans and all that stuff, but what a slap in the face that would be to Shamayev if, like, he missed and he was like 172, and then Burns is like, "Nah, I ain't fighting you." That would be such a gangster move, in my opinion. He would get crucified for it. He'd get destroyed for making that decision. But in my eyes, that'd be like kind of hilarious. It would suck because I just want to see the fight and just see how it plays out. But I don't think he's going to miss weight. And here's another thing to kind of keep in mind as well with that whole first thing. Life at that time was a lot different. Fight Island, I mean, you had no other options. Like you were stuck in a hotel room for like three days. And then even when you could get out, you couldn't get out for much. Like you could go downstairs in the hotel. Like that's it. Maybe you could walk around a little bit. That's as far as you could go. It's not like you could live everyday life like you can right now. Like you couldn't go to the gym. Like they, they had maybe another hotel room. You could go in and like hit pads for 45 minutes and get a workout in. But it's, it's just life is so much different right now. And the, even like that last, because that Li Jingliang trip fight was on Fight Island in Abu Dhabi as well. It was just a way different setup. Like it was, it was just like a normal fight week in a lot of ways. But back then, you're there. You you get a win. You're at 185, and then you have like another nine days to think about going to 170. But you can't really think about anything else, and you can't really do anything else. So I felt like that was probably an easier process for him because that's. I mean, there's nothing. What else can you do when the world is is shut down like that? Now things are a little bit different. Shamayev is gigantic he is huge i don't know how he makes 170 i i just it's shocking to me i think he will be i think he'll make it fine i don't think he's going to be one of the first fighters on the scale who knows every time we say that it seems like they will be the first fighter on the scale i actually think i was really strong to be the first fighter on the scale to make a statement but it's an interesting question i think he'll be fine but just how long can he keep making this cut to 170 because that is a a massive human being I'm Satchimaya. Let's get Tristan Gordet in here. 
Tristan, how are you? Are you there, buddy? Tristan. Tristan. Come on. All right, try again, Tristan. We'll get you back in. Hendo Slice, you're next. Good morning. We're this close to crowning an NBA champ. And with the action heating up on the court, it's even hotter at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet, up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire. 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. What's up, man? Uh, just wanted to ask a question about uh, the Volk show or the Volk fight. Um, I'm, a, okay. I'm a huge fan of his and a former rugby player myself. And I was wondering if there's a future for a lot of rugby players to uh, get into MMA because it has a lot of similar skills um, required in terms of like endurance, toughness, and also tackles and takedowns are very similar. That is a very interesting question. Well done, Hendo Slice. Thank you for chiming in. I, uh, I have played rugby a few times, but we didn't actually play it like it's supposed to be played. We basically just played, and I know in 2022, the name of this game it doesn't sound as you know, politically correct as it does, but we used to play kill the man with the ball, and that was like our version of rugby. Like we just have a football, we would run around, and everyone would just chase you and try to crush you. And that's that. That's what we played. Jed Mishu actually played rugby in college, so he'd probably be more. And I have to talk about this, but from what I understand, just talking to him and then having rugby conversation with Volkanovski, 
it takes a special kind of crazy to play rugby and like just love it and play it for a really long time and excel at it. And that a lot of that same crazy goes into becoming a professional fighter. Cause you gotta be, there are some really fascinating, some really brilliant people who compete in this sport that I've gotten the, the opportunity and have had the honor to talk to over the years, but you still gotta be a little crazy to get in there and fight like Casey Lydon, all the respect in the world for that guy. Guy didn't have to do that. He goes in there and fight. Like, Casey's got a little crazy to him, but in, like, the best kind of way. So, yeah, I mean, listen, if, if, if the guy you're using as an example to, to prove your case correct is Alexander Volkanovsky, that is a damn good way to start because Volko is not only a tremendous fighter, A-plus human being, family man, and it all started from rugby. So, and, and you got to be tough. You got to be able to tackle. You got to be able to run. You got to be able to have a, a, explosive tendencies when it comes to the to physical contact and athleticism and he's got that in spades. So that's a really good point. Let's get Steven Svitko. Hey, Steven, good, how, are how are you, you sir? Um, good, sir. So I had a question. It was actually, <laughs> it wasn't going to be about rugby, but um, it's, it's going to be now. So uh, Tai Tuivasa <laughs> actually played um, and he was uh, very, very good. And it was hard to bring down a great ball carrier uh, so the transition about like one thing I'm noticing, uh, cause I also played uh, in high school and the transition that I'm noticing, I know guys who have done wrestling and then went to rugby, have done rugby, went to jujitsu. Uh, something I'm noticing is that a lot, lots of guys appreciate how, how you can be in control of your own safety. Yeah. It's crazy sport, but, um, if you know, obviously rugby has no pads or headgear or anything, so you have to protect yourself. So one thing I noticed is that like these guys are uh, very concerned about their long-term health, and even though it may not seem like that because it's such an intense sport. Um, so with that, guys like Volkanovski and Tuivasa, they seem to have a, a long game plan, like a long stretch in mind. Tuivasa's been at it for a while. Volk's been at it for a while. It's like and my question is, what what separates? It seems like guys who are fighting now at the top of the at the top of the list, top of the rankings, um, from those guys who just want to get in, kind of like Hamza, and kill everybody and get in there and smash and, and out and next fight not not decline any fights. But there's guys who seem to have more plans. So where does that come into play? Why do guys? Um, is it just like a personality thing where they want to get out there and get into the octagon and start smashing? Or they want to play it safe and make you know a longer career for themselves. Where's the mindset switch that you've seen? If that makes sense. Thanks, Stephen. That I mean, really interesting question. I mean, the the, the long term part. I mean, you have to have a lot of luck there. It, I mean, especially in such a physically demanding sport. Not just when you actually get in there and fight, but just the training and strength and conditioning and everything that comes with it. There's aches and pains and being able to mentally fight through all that the nagging stuff. And it's also being able to know that like when you need to take a day off, it's not easy. Like guys like Shamayev, who is, is starting to get a reputation, not just as a fighter, but how hard he trains. That's, I mean, that's a big thing. You just gotta be, you gotta have some luck, but you have to know when to turn it off and, or when to slow it down. And I think the guys that you mentioned do a really good job with that. And yeah, it's, it's just one of those things where, you got to have some luck. You got to get involved. And then it, it, for the mentality of like, do, how long do I want to keep doing this? 
it just depends on who you are. And a lot of that has to do with sort of the, the UFC pay structure and the win and show bonus because, you know, there are fighters who are just going to go in there that are fine just being exciting guys. Like maybe they're not going to be world champions. Maybe they're not going to be contending for titles, but they're fine just going in there and just punching dudes in the face and getting hit. And they just like it. They, they like it. So they, they go in there and they get after it and they have fun and maybe they get a bonus and get some money and that's, and that's what it's about for them. And then there's others that are like, this is what I'm doing to take care of my family. This is my, this is it. I'm going to do this for as long as I can. I'm going to, I'm going to build a financial portfolio because I fight and they look at it more as a not, I mean, they're all professional athletes and they look at it as sport, but they also look at it as a, as a self-made business investing in themselves I want to be able to, to do this for, for 10 years, maybe a little more. And then I want to be able to be in a place where when I know I'm done, I could just walk away and never come back. I think that's the goal of a lot of fighters these days. It's not just about titles and wins and losses. They want to be able to be done when they're done. And I think that's, that's all of our goals. Like we'd love to just be in a position to say like, all right, like even if you're, a doctor or a lawyer or an MMA journalist, you want to get to a point where you're at a certain age, your kid, like in my instance, like when my kid is out of the house and he's on and he's doing his, he's doing his thing or he's in college or doing whatever. I want to be able to say to myself, you know what? I've had a good run, but now I just want to like chill out. Like I, but I want to be in a position to do so and fighting. It's really tough to do. So it's important to, while you want to be, a, a guy people will spend $50 on or 75 bucks and you want to be an exciting fighter and you want to make the fans happy at the end of the day, it's about making yourself happy. It's about making your bank account happy. And if you're married, that will make, that will lead to the wife being happy because I know from personal experience, the wife likes money. Let's bring Tristan Gordad in. We're going to go for about 10, 15 more minutes, everybody. Tristan, are we there? Do we got this? Yeah, yeah, out? Are we yeah, good? We're good. We're good, man. We're good. Um, Excellent. Here's the thing is that I'm I'm surprised about. It. I just checked the card again. You have Aspen Lad versus Raquel Pennington on this card, and you, nobody's talking. You do. Wait, hold on. Am I am I reading that wrong? No, that's fight. That fight's happening. Okay, I, I just feel no one's talking about that. I'm like, hold on a second. I remember you were talking to Aspen Lad about uh, that her situation, and she's got to see. We got to see. She got to make weight to ban weight at 135. Raquel Pennington's on a three fight win streak. And I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be a very interesting fight between those two. So I want your thoughts on that. And then, um, and then going back to Tisha Torres versus um, Mackenzie Dern, I'm wondering if Mackenzie Dern could get this on the ground because, you know, she had real trouble against Marina Rodriguez. She couldn't get her. She had very poor takedowns. And I'm, I'm curious as if she's fixed that issue because if she can't do this against uh, Tisha Torres – um, I don't know if she's going to win this fight. Your thoughts? Thank you, Tristan. Tristan they gets in on all this stuff, and I, and I love that. So Aspen Ladd, Raquel Pennington, this fight kind of came together. This fight came together pretty quickly because if you recall, Aspen Ladd was supposed to fight Arini Aldana. We find out Arini Aldana is out of the fight, and then we find out Aspen uh, Raquel Pennington gets the call on. I think it was about two weeks' notice, it was, or three weeks' notice. It was short. It was less than a month. I could tell you that. And now Raquel is in. And I mean, especially on a card like this, no matter who Aspen Ladd or Raquel Pennington are fighting, 
when you have the two title fights and you have a guy, a sensation, if you will, like Hamzat Shemaev and everybody's just talking about him and, and it's just like Shemaev overload, everything's going to get buried a little bit more. It's just the way that it is. You find that on Connor cards. You find that on, on a lot of these other cards where some of these really good matchups and even, even the ranked fighters, they just sort of fly under the radar. And you can make the argument that even Tisha Torres, Mackenzie Dern is flying under the radar. Like, yeah, they got up on the, at the press conference yesterday and they got after it a little bit and built the fight up. But I mean, when you're on a card with, with Hamzat and two big title fights, everything's going to feel just a little more under the radar. Although people, because, but the reaction I'm hearing, Tristan, is very similar to yours. Oh, yeah, I forgot that fight's on the card. So that just builds the anticipation levels for the fight, which is good. It's, in terms of Torres, Mackenzie Dern, I mean, this one's kind of laid out perfectly. And what I, what I appreciate about Mackenzie Dern is she's very self-aware. She understands what her problems are. She understands that Tisha's striking might be a little bit better. But she also thinks that those striking discrepancies that people feel like Tisha's a way better striker than her. She feels like, all right, I might not be as good, but I think it's closer than people think. And Mackenzie also realizes, and this has been something that's been said about her throughout her entire career, while she is an absolute wizard on the mat and can make some crazy things happen once things get to the ground, she's not a great wrestler. And she knows she's not a great wrestler. And you know who else knows she's not a great wrestler? Tisha Torres knows she's not a great wrestler. So it'll be interesting to see how Mackenzie approaches this fight. Mackenzie's striking has gotten a lot better. She throws with everything she has. So it'll be interesting if she lands a really big shot on Tisha, how Tisha will respond. And if Tisha can keep this, if Tisha can avoid getting Mackenzie on top of her, she's got a very good chance to win this fight. But at some point, even if Tisha like just trips or falls over and Mackenzie gets up on top of her, boy, it, it could be, it could be over pretty quick. Honestly, it could be over pretty quick shortly thereafter that. So uh, looking forward to that fight. I thought the ladies did a good job kind of a tough spot for them to be in yesterday at the press conference, if we're being honest, when you have Hamzading, Burns, and Jan and Sterling getting after it, and then Volkanovski and Korean Zombie, you know, Dana White there. Kind of a tough spot for them to be in, but looking forward to both of those fights. We'll take a couple more. Let's get Patrick, who might or might not be driving right now. Patrick, good morning. Are you there? Patrick, are you there? All right, try again, my man. Let's spit Simon or Patrick Dakin. Simon, what's up, buddy? Hello. How hey, are you? Uh, I just wanted uh, – you talked about Hamzat, obviously, so I just wanted to get another question going. Uh, he was the champion in wrestling in Sweden in 92 kilograms, which is about – 205 so he's at 170 right now and uh i wanted to ask you if this pays any dividends to him in the fight if gilbert or how do you see playing it out with having this in mind that he um wrestled 205 first which is like crazy to me yes like i i don't know if, what i said earlier like just seeing the man in person he is he's friggin monstrous he is humongous I just I don't know how he makes 170. I have no clue. He's a huge dude. This will pay huge dividends because that's like the first thing you notice, especially if like if you haven't seen it yet. Go to I mean you've probably seen it at this point if you're on this, but 
those two ran into each other, the hotel, trying to like cut weight and everything. Hobbs is just so much bigger than him. He's so much bigger than Gilbert Burns. It, it's going to play huge dividends, and he's so powerful. It's going to be a huge thing in this fight. Honestly, that's, that could be the big difference. Now, if things get to the ground, if Hamzat takes Gilbert down, gets on top of him, usually that's it. Doesn't matter. He just, just gets his hooks in. He's such a big guy and just starts landing big shots, and there's nothing you can do. You're just kind of trapped. Gilbert is obviously excellent on the ground with his jujitsu, his scrambles. He hasn't had to really use it all that much as of late, but that's where this fight gets interesting. What happens if Hamzat gets that big takedown and gets on top, mounts him, gets side control? How will Gilbert, Gilbert respond? Can Gilbert force scrambles on the ground? Even if he doesn't get back to his feet, let's just say in the first round, in the first minute of the fight, we get the vintage Hamzat Shemaev. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to walk you across the cage. And I'm going to slam you down. And I'm going to get you inside control. What happens there? Can Gilbert Burns get out of that first round? Because maybe not getting up is, is the thing, but just transitioning, sweeping, moving, get, make sure you're in full guard, making Hamzat work, but not get that quick finish. What happens then? What happens if Hamzat starts to fade a little bit? Then maybe Gilbert can take over. So I think Gilbert, his best chance is he's going to have to weather a huge storm and let Hamzat tire himself out and just let this fight continue on and just work like that. This could be a war. And I think if it is, that's Gilbert's best chance, honestly. If he wants to get in there and have like a technical kickboxing match with, with Hamza Chemaev as not the path to victory, but he's a very smart guy. And I think he knows that. I think he knows exactly what he needs to do here, but just implementing it against a guy like that, boy, you're asking for a lot. I have to see if we can make this happen, Dana Spite. I have to see. No! Are you here? Oh, my gosh. This is amazing. What's up, buddy? Say, hey, Mike, I love the show. Um, I want to hear last, one of the last questions. I have a lot more to say, but I'll just end it with, uh, uh, who do you think is going to win? Who do you think is going to win each fight? Who do you think won the press conferences? And do you predict anyone to miss weight? That is my two cents. Thank you, Dan. I'm glad we got the, uh, the technical aspect worked out. Um, I'm going to, I'll just talk about the first three fights. I think I, I'm, I'm leaning to, I, I mean, I have the favorites to win them all. I think Volkanovski's going to win. I think, I think Jan's going to win. And I think Hamzat's going to win. I just think Hamzat is the man. I think Gilbert Burns is tremendous too. A big fan of him. I just, I, I just think sometimes just between the skill, talent, even if you want to play the destiny game, you could play the destiny game here. I think, I think the world is aligning for him in that way. So I think, I think the three favorites will win. I do think, I do think Jan and Sterling is going to be a really good fight. Like, I think it's going to be a war. Now I use this fight as an example, but I think this is how it's going to play out. I think Sterling's going to win the first round might even win the second but the last stretch of that fight, the final three rounds, it's going to look like, and if you haven't watched this fight, go back and watch it. And you know what I'm talking about? Go watch Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus Kyle Bokniak. You're going to see things like that where Jan's just going to get going and he's going to hit Aljo. And 
Aljo's going to be fine with it. And he's going to come back and fire shots. And Jan's going to land something massive. And Aljo's going to keep walking. He's going to keep going. And they're going to have some good exchanges down the stretch. I'm predicting a 49-46 for Piotr Jan. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a great fight. I think, actually think it's going to get the fight of the night. Because I think it's going to be much more of a war than people think it is. Like, Sterling, Sterling is probably the biggest heel in Florida. He was getting booed out of the building yesterday. It was crazy. And Jan was getting cheered like he was freaking Elvis Presley in the 50s and 60s. It was wild. Absolutely wild. But here we are, 2022. All right, we'll take a couple more. Whoops, didn't mean to do that. All right, Patrick, I think we got you now. I hope. Let's see. Can we do it? Can we make it happen? All right. Oh, no. Try again. Get in again, Patrick. We had you. We lost you, and then we, uh, we had you at the very end right before I gave you the, the virtual boot. Underground MMA Rhino. I, the only up? question I really got for you is I want to know about all this love for Perion and uh, Chamza, you know, I mean, the love for them is beyond. So, and I do agree that they're both very talented and amazing what they've brought in their kind of short careers in the MMA for the last few years. But like at this point, guys are talking like they can't be beat. And I just haven't seen that in a long time. I do see if, you know, Gilbert Burns gets manhandled in one round, then we've seen something we haven't seen in years, probably since, uh, you know, Connor's heyday in the featherweight division. But like, do you honestly see these guys kind of running for the next five years and being like Anderson Silva in his prime? Good question. Uh, short answer. Yes, I do. There, I mean, it's, obviously these fights have to happen and things have to play out and, and work out the way they want them to. But Jan, Jan is just such a talented fighter. I felt that way from jump street. I understood the questions and some of the reservations people might've had. Maybe it was the, the level of competition, the, the Uriah Faber win, and maybe his road to the title wasn't as, as difficult, if you will, as maybe some of the other guys, especially some of these up-and-comers that are fighting at 135 now. But Jan is really good, and I thought he was looking really good in that Sterling fight. He was on his way to winning that fight before the illegal Nate. And I, let me just say this, and I've said this many times before. You cannot call – there's no asterisk – next to Aljamain Sterling being the champion. You may not like the way the fight ended, and you may feel a certain way about it, but at the end of the day, rules are rules, and if you break the rules, you should be penalized. Jan broke the rules, landed an illegal strike. Aljamain couldn't continue. He was deemed unable to continue. He's the champion. That's the rules. So we can't give him too much crap for that. Jan is a super talented fighter. That Corey Sanhagen fight will age like a fine wine. Every time you go back and watch that fight, I think you get even more appreciation for Jan and his skill set. And the fact of the matter is, both him and Hamzat already are this talented, and they're both pretty young. Their careers are just getting started. Neither of them have hit their athletic primes yet. That's scary. That is scary to think about. And they are very good at evolving with the game, too, especially Piotr. We see Piotr improving and doing different things, and his game evolves almost every single fight. And that's the difference sometimes. That's what you want to see from these guys. Are they the same fighter they were two fights ago? Have they, uh, they're different tools in the toolbox. And I feel like with Piotr Jan, we see one 
we see like a either one that's refined or we see a new one. But I, I mean, I'm high on both those guys, and I think both those guys could, could have very long careers, and both those guys could be top five, top ten pound for pound guys for sure. All right, we're gonna take two more. Yeah, what's we'll, maybe one more? I don't know. Dax, what's up? Hey, Mike. So we kind of have the layout with the first six months of you know big UFC fights. Um, this one, uh, Burns and Schmeiser's my favorite by far. Of the first six months, past, present, or future, what is your top fight? Over the next six months? The first six months of 2022. Past, present, or future. Uh, okay. I mean, right I mean, right now, the... I mean, Colby Mazadal had a big build. You, you could even make the argument that, like, right, right before Adesanya Whitaker 2... The UFC was putting the promotional push behind the Covington Mazadal fight, like even more so. But I mean, it's the most the fight I'm, I'm most interested in so far to this year, and even with like things that are on the books, I will say Oliver Gaethje is probably my most anticipated fight overall. But in terms of the fights that I have the most questions about, or the the one I, I want the answer to the most, it's it's Shemaya Burns. It really is. Like is Shemaya the man? Is this a guy who could beat Kamara Usman? Because if he goes out there and just runs Gilbert Burns out of the building, I mean, come on. There's just no doubt. And then what happens with Leon? What happens with Usman? Like, all these things. And what happens if he loses? It's just so interesting. All very Gaethje, though, as far as fights go, good grief. That fight rules. All right, I'm going to take Patrick and I'm going to take Mark, and then we're done. What's up, Patrick? I think we got you now. I think. Oh, unmute. I think we're good. Okay. We're yes. in. We're in. Uh, What's up? I'm, I think my share, my uh, my Colin's going to lose a little sizzle off the steak after all that, but. <laughs> what do you got, what do you got well, man? I wanted to chime in on uh, Hendo's question about the rugby thing. Um, I like that uh, kind of bigger picture thinking when it comes to fighting and uh I have a take on uh, the, uh, you know, the Samoans. They're, you're like one, 10,000 times more likely to play NFL football if you have Samoan heritage. And it's like um, those guys, they, they start small and lanky and super athletic, and then they build mass on top of that. I feel like Vol- uh, Volkanovski probably did the same thing because obviously he was over 200 pounds when he was playing rugby. And uh, um, Anthony, uh, who's the guy who plays on the Lakers, he also, like some of those basketball players who go through growth spurts where... Davis, yeah. Alasia? No, I'm here. I'm oh, here. Yeah. Anthony Davis, yes, yeah. But just like some of the NBA players who they grew up playing point guard and then all of a sudden they had a growth spurt. You know, so they have all of the yeah. athletic ability of of the little guy and then they, they build on mass. Um, and also, you know, you look at, um, Mexican fighters, like warrior cultures, you know, I think that if, if you're not that far removed from, from being a, in, in a warrior culture, um, you end up just having that, uh, that mindset and that, and that chin, you know, that you just can't yeah. be defeated. That's a little bit of my take on that. And, uh, 
I'm also, uh, thanks for all the info from Jacksonville. I, I'm liking that the Aljamain is a little bit more of a live dog now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just seems like he's got that, uh, that whole, that whole first fight, he saw what didn't work. And so I think like, like you guys are saying at BTL, um, that he can't just come in with that volume, pepper him, pepper him, pepper him, you know, whatever, 50 strikes a, a minute. Like you gotta, I think he's totally going to have to uh, take him down. Like you're saying anyways, uh, happy, yeah, I agree. happy Friday. Thanks, my man. I appreciate it. I'm glad we could get you on. Some very interesting points. Where did I get the last word from? Mark Vini. He's been, he's been patiently waiting. Mark, good morning. Morning. How are you, Mike? Good. How are you? Oh, pretty good. I just want to go back to uh, your, your just putting my kid in the car. Uh, just go back to your sure. question, uh, your conversation with John Anik yesterday and how he said that Hamzad is not going to want to take, you know, multiple extended breaks. And with uh, Usman probably not fighting for a while with his injury, uh, and Colby probably not going to take a fight with Hamzat. What do you think about him facing, if he wins, the winner of next week's main event, Luke Muhammad? Uh, let's go, Yankees. I'll go off. Uh, boo. Boo you, Mark. I'm not even going to answer your question now. Eat it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't think that fight happens. Actually, I, I actually think Colby would fight. I actually think Colby would fight Hamzat. I don't think he would fight him now. I think if he fights him, I think it's a bigger fight if they fight for the title. Like if Shemaev wins a belt, then you do the Colby fight. I think you could wait on that one. I think it would be a big one, and I, I actually think Colby would take it. And I think Colby would take it now if the UFC offered it to him. But I think the UFC is also where it's probably not the best decision. You could wait and put some sizzle on it, let those two guys continue to talk about each other, and then when they can match them up for a title fight, cool. I've been saying this, and I know my best friend AK could attest to this because I've been saying this since UFC 268, or right after on that on to the next one episode. And I, too, and I actually believe this is still the case because if not, I, why, is, why is Usman Leon – why has that not been announced? I know Dane has talked about it, but why is that fight not on the books? Why do we not have a date for it? Why? Because there's still unknowns. There's st- we don't know when Usman's going to be able to fight. Now, best case scenario, we do Usman Edwards in July and Hamza gets the winner. That's like the way it would work out ideally. But MMA is not ideal. It's supposed to be fun, but it's also chaotic and it's unpredictable. So I truly believe, and I still believe this. I said this on BTL with Jed last night. Hamza Shemaev, if he wins, is going to fight Leon Edwards. Interim title. And I think this makes so much sense. It gives Usman more time to heal up. Let's Usman hang out with his family a little longer. He's one of the more active champions they had, even with injuries and stuff that he was dealing with. You let Hamza fight Leon for an interim title, and if Hamza wins, you do title versus title, unification. You build the crap out of it, and it's a bigger fight because he's got the interim title. You got two belts. It always looks better, especially in the UFC's eyes, with two belts. But if Leon Edwards beats Hamza Chemaev, the interest in that fight grows exponentially. It's a 10 times bigger fight coming off of a win over Hamza Chemaev than it would be coming off the win over Nate Diaz, which still everyone's talking about Nate in that fight. So 
I actually think it's going to happen. Like, if Usman can't fight International Fight Week and we can't get Jones Stipe, I would not be shocked in the slightest to see the UFC headline International Fight Week with Hamzad, honestly. Hamzad versus Leon Edwards, interim title fight. Do it. Just do it. Like, I, I, people, people hate the interim title situation. I get it. Sometimes it's not called for. This is a glorified number one contenders fight, and everybody sort of knows that by now. Both guys would get more money. But there's a purpose to it. We're not disrespecting Usman. We're just saying, like, here's the number one contender. We're trying to get you paid, son. We're trying to get you the biggest fight possible. Because he's not getting Canelo. It's never going to happen. And he's not fighting Conor McGregor. So how, what's the biggest fight we can make? We wait. We wait. MSG. Usman versus the winner. Either Leon Edwards, Hamza Chemaev, October, November, December, whenever. But whoever wins that fight, interim belt, two belts, fight's huge. It's way more interesting. Way more interesting than if you just threw them in there now. Even if Hamza beats Gilbert Burns on Saturday, which a lot of people feel he's going to do. Even if he does that, people are going to be clamoring for it. Let's get, sorry, Leon, no title fight for you. Hamzat skips the line. That's what people are going to be calling for. That's what Dana White's going to be asked at the press conference. All, and that's, that's what we're going to be talking about all week long on these shows. But we can wait. Leon still gets his title fight, gets a huge one with Hamzat, and the winner goes on to fight Kamaru in a fight that's just much bigger. So there's no need to rush this one. Let Usman heal up. Let him get some time with his family. And then he gets, comes back to an absolutely huge fight. All right. We are done. I got to get out of here. I'm surprised my best friend is still here listening right now because we got our weigh-in show coming up. 9 a.m. Eastern, 22 minutes from right now. Myself, Jose, AK, EKC Leiden, one of the pound-for-pound greats. We will be there, along with the fighters, of course, because that's what you're there to watch and listen to us in the background. But you want to see the fighters make weight. Someone asked me earlier if I think there's going to be any weight misses. I'm going to stay positive here and say no. No weight misses today. But that's it. We'll see you on the YouTube channel. Appreciate you listening. If you missed it, if you missed the early part of the show, it's going to go up in the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network probably within the next 20 to 25 minutes. So thanks, everybody. Have a heck of a Friday. Fox Media Podcast Network.
With the NBA Finals around the corner, you can bet with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get a no-sweat bet up to $1,500 if your first bet doesn't hit. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. One no-sweat bet per new customer. Issued as one bonus bet based on amount of initial losing bet. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Here's the truth about AI. AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people.